Hello and welcome to Red Couch Manx. I'm Vivek Jacob, joined by Carl Mascarenas, and today we are breaking down Manchester United's 9-0 win over Southampton. That's right, 9-0. Carl, are you ready? Aaron Wan-Bissaka, 18th minute. Marcus Rashford, 25th minute. Bednarek own goal, 34th minute. Cavani, 39th. Martial, 69th. McTominay, 71st. Bruno Fernandes, 87th minute penalty. Martial again in the 90th. Daniel James in the 93rd. That's how you got your nine goals. Wow, well done, Vivek. That sounded like you belong in an auction. (laughs) (laughs) What a win, what a win. Got that goal difference all the way up. Yeah, completely uh, eradicating that Spurs loss from our memory. And the only thing remaining was the goal difference. We're now tied with Liverpool on 19 goals. Just five short of City, who have 24. However, they do have some games in hand. Uh, All in all, I thought it was a very measured display. In the beginning, you could say, you know what, after they went down to 10 men, I was watching the game and after about 10-15 minutes, I didn't see United finding any sort of rhythm. But then right after that, things started to click. And then you could see them get into a rhythm and you could see... Southampton were on the back foot and just couldn't hold the ball up to get their their defenders any respite. And I, in my head, I was thinking, I'm like, okay, even if they if it's scoreless after 30 minutes, after 40 minutes, these guys are gonna have heavy, heavy legs in the second half, and they could be on the end of something. Now, just having played the game, you never want to see your opponents get hammered that badly. It's even hard to celebrate after a certain period of time. I think it depends on who, Carl. I think there's certain people we would love to beat down. I know. <laughs> this is a very, very good point. I can think of a few right right now, actually. Um, <laughs> but all in all, I thought it was a very professional performance. That That's the word I would use. What about you, Vivek? Yeah, professional is a good word. I definitely appreciated the relentlessness that they showed. They... You know, especially towards the end when Southampton are coming undone with the VAR decisions and just feeling like everything is going against them. United didn't pay attention to any of that. They kept the charge going. As I mentioned, three of the goals came in those final few minutes to up that score and get the goal difference level with Liverpool. I do think you make an important point about the start of the match where after uh, the red card was issued to Yankowitz that United just seemed a little slow in getting into the gears. And I thought the first goal really opened things up. And I thought that's where United got the belief. Pretty neat finish from Juan Bissaka, don't you think? I mean, hey, I think you could have made a lot of money if you bet on the first goal coming from an assist from Luke Shaw to Aaron Juan Bissaka. (laughs) I don't think anyone would have really had that in mind uh, for United's first goal. Yeah, uh, first first a great cross from Luke Shaw and a great finish from Aaron Wan-Bissaka. It was just nice to see both of them going forward and showing that real intent. That's something we've come to expect now from Luke Shaw. But to see Aaron Wan-Bissaka show that intent and willingly put cross after cross in over the course of the match, I thought was very encouraging, even if the uh, execution wasn't always there. But Luke Shaw, I think, I feel really good uh, about him and the team right now. 
there's a consistency that I've come to expect and he's delivering every time he's out there. And when you talk the way he talked after that Arsenal match, you have to come out and put in a performance and he definitely did that. 100%. I thought Luke Shaw's crossing the whole night or the 45 minutes that he played was on another level. And I thought what was very impressive, how many times have you seen Aaron Wan-Bissaka in the box on the end of a cross like that? Mm-hmm. I, I can't think of any, to be honest with you. And so it just goes to show you the intent. I think it was, okay, you know what? Who am I defending? Danny Ings was the guy I was supposed to defend. He's now playing on the wing. I can I can cheat a little bit because I know I'm covered. We're playing against one man less. Now, if Juan Basaka can have that in the back of his mind whenever he's playing any game where he can work on his risk-taking abilities on when do I cheat and when do I stay back, I think you could see a lot more of this. And I, I think this was very important just for his psyche to know that, hey, I can get in the box. I can do these things. I just have to pick and choose my moments. So it might just seem simple on the face of it. I do think it could have deeper consequences that would be a positive for United. The one thing I liked was after the goal, it got him even hungry for more. There were other occasions where the cross was coming in and you could see him trying to get on the end of things. There was one Bruno shot where McCarthy was able to palm it out for a corner. But if McCarthy didn't put it out, Juan Bissaka was running right on course to slam home the rebound. That's the type of run that I usually expect from Edinson Cavani. So yep. uh, I, I, I think that it was really encouraging. And as you said, the key is going to be understanding your opponent, understanding the opportunities that present themselves because you're not going to be able to go up against a 10-man Southampton and really dictate play the way United did today all the time. So picking the spots is going to be crucial. Opening up different elements of your game on that subject, I want to just move to Marcus Rashford for a bit because before United scored the goal, he was put through by Edinson Cavani and he had an opportunity to shoot if he went with his left foot. And when he tried to bring it back onto his right, that's when the space got closed down and that's where the shot was taken away. If he has some confidence in that left foot, I think he gets off a shot and what happens from there, who knows. But having seen that other chance that wasn't attempted against Arsenal as well, where again, I think if he has some kind of confidence in his left foot, he at least gets an attempt off. I think that's something that he really needs to focus on. And I think all the coaches involved need to highlight that for Marcus Rashford going forward to help him round out his game because we know he's not a good header of the ball. Defenders can't know that and that you're not willing to put it on your left. I think that's very insightful. Something that's definitely going to be top of mind for me moving forward watching the games to see how many times Marcus chops back onto his right we all know he does like that move and it probably has more to do with how deadly his right foot is but I never associated probably a lack of confidence in the left that's also another reason for chopping onto the right so that's an interesting point you bring up Vivek and definitely something that moving forward we'll see 
how many times a defender also shows him onto his left foot because then you clearly if you've picked up on it with all the analytics out there i'm sure like the team's scouting reports and everything would have picked up on that as well so let's see if it's something that marcus is working in training uh, another just to add to that as well is when you have players like edison cavani who are making runs to the near post and you're constantly chopping back you're also affecting the timing of runs being made by your players and so it's important for marcus sometimes just to cross it in with his left even if he's not that confident because there could be a player on the end of it if you're if you're in time when when you chop back you you stop the timing and most likely a lot of players can also go offside so that's something to just be aware of as well you're talking about a very specific play there carl <laughs> <laughs> yes yes it just definitely does happen from time to time now the one positive i will say is one of the things that also helped united open things up as they were attacking in that first half was Mason Greenwood and Marcus Rashford switch sides for a bit as well. And you saw them continue to show that intent to get forward, to get goals. But I think little things like that where in the course of the match, you just switch the matchups, you give the defenders something different to think about. Obviously, Greenwood and Rashford have similar strengths, I would say, but they still go about it in different ways. And so when... You change those matchups. I think it helped open some things up for United. And again, that led to a few more goals, beginning with that second goal, which was Marcus Rashford uh, finishing off a chance provided by Mason Greenwood in the 25th. Absolutely. I thought Mason, He, I mean, you've mentioned this in a couple of episodes now. He's looking much better with each game moving forward. I thought he looked good in the Arsenal game as well. And he looked good again today. And one thing that we've been asking of him is to keep your head up. It's important to, you know, be selfish or a striker, but also be able to give that pass, give that assist if you need to. And he did that quite well today. And I was happy for him. I was happy that he was able to do that. The only thing missing from this game was a Mason Greenwood goal. Yeah, it was. And he did have that one opportunity where he was able to get the shot off that vintage where is he going to put it on his left is he going to put it on his right he puts it on his right gets a nice shot across goal McCarthy makes the save as it's cleared out it's Scott McTominay who's able to come through uh, and get the goal now there, there was a cross that led to the Benarek own goal uh, that was a really nice cross probably robbed Fred of a goal <laughs> <laughs> but you you know you see the mindset that Fred has on that you know instead of being disappointed that he didn't get the goal himself as soon as he saw it in the back of the net he's smiling he's happy it shows uh that his pride is in what the team is doing not what he's accomplishing for himself he's been he's been chomping at the bit for a goal you can tell that with him standing next to every single free kick uh almost <laughs> pretending that he's a decoy but uh, come on everybody and their grandmother knows that he's not taking a free kick when there's Bruno and Rashford around (laughs) now Cavani he got his goal the header uh, before halftime that was you know perfectly executed he made it look so simple Um, and that's the beauty of Cavani nice to see him get on the score sheet says that he came off uh, at halftime because he needed his ankle to get looked at. So here's hoping that 
he's feeling okay because he's definitely going to be needed going forward. But the second half, you know, again, going back to that Greenwood chance where he misses, the ball gets cleared out. McTominay is able to smash it in or rather place it in perfectly. Uh, I genuinely did not think United were good in that second half, especially those first 25 minutes. And I thought Ole actually got his tactics wrong. And I think this is going to be an interesting point of debate because I think I might be in the minority and I might be wrong here because most people seem to think that United were showing... I agree that the intent was there. I just felt that tactically Solskjaer had some, you know, square pegs and round holes. And I guess, Vivek, to to ask you a question okay so you you think he got it tactically wrong what exactly did he get wrong like obviously the one square peg in a round hole was fred playing left back which is not yeah. his position is that what you're referring to well that for me was one thing the other thing too was knowing that now i know that cavani had to come off because he had a bit of an injury that's fine but Knowing that the main threat for United in this game was crossing, I don't know that Luke Shaw was the right person to take off. And if you're going to take off Luke Shaw, I don't know what type of message you've sent to Alex Tellez where you would rather have Fred play left back than him against 10 men. So that's another point where crossing is clearly his strength crossing is clearly working in this match and you decide not to use him okay fine let's say crossing is a strength and that's not where we went we're up 4-0 if we don't score any more goals the downside isn't that bad but on the upside with his tactics if he can get Martial a goal if he can get Donny van de Beek some playing time and get the confidence going isn't that you know positive enough isn't that isn't that a win-win? So I mean, again, I, I just said right, like Cavani, he had to come off. You bring Marshall on, that's fine, right? I just feel like, first of all, I didn't think Van de Beek contributed much in this match uh, with the opportunity that he had, and I think United got lucky with some of the goals, and they, and they got lucky with the VAR situation. I think if Shea Adams' a goal is allowed. And it would have been rightfully allowed. I don't think there's going to be any type of legitimate explanation as to why that goal didn't count. And you think about it, you know, 4-0 coming out of halftime, United could have really kept piling on the pressure. That's almost 25 minutes that they didn't get a goal. And then, you know, Scott, if we're being frank, you know, that wasn't like a super creative, we broke you down type of goal, right? It was... He just happened to have uh, catch McCarthy off position, uh, off a rebound. And then obviously three goals come after the red card uh, for Bednarek. So even with that VAR decision, you know, I think that made the score sheet look a lot more glossy than what the actual performance was in the second half. The, the couple of things I'll say here, when you've got like 10 men packed behind the ball, who have absolutely zero intent to score. They know they're already 4-0 down, and at this point, they're saving face. 
it's a Premier League team after all, and it's not going to be easy to break down. It's difficult. I agree 100%. It's difficult. And I know that United suffer when it comes to breaking down teams with 11 men, uh, <laughs> so which have a slight attacking intent because they know they could potentially nick one. So when it comes to this, I will say that, yes, crossing worked in the first half. I don't think that that's the only thing that was going to work. So him going away from that crossing game and trying to add a different element, I would say wasn't necessarily a bad thing in my opinion. I think it it gives United the chance to possibly work through the packed midfield. And that's where I was hoping for a little bit more from Donny van der Beek. I think Ole was probably hoping for the same as well. Trying to see if Donny can get going with that partnership with, let's say, a Bruno or a Scott. That didn't come to fruition, which was unfortunate. I thought Bruno Fernandes uh, looked back to his his best today. Some of the flicks and first-time touches and around-the-corner passes were just on another level. Um, and I, I was very impressed with that. So all in all, I would say that for me, the only square peg in a round hole that I would say is that Fred playing left back. I was okay with that just because the game was already won. And I was really hoping that United could... I did think Van de Beek was the other square peg. I would say that if we want to get Van de Beek playing more often in the team, the only position where he can realistically play at the moment is as a DM. It's definitely a square peg, but if he can show something in that role, I think he'll get more game time. Right. So it all depends on, okay, do we want him sitting on the bench because that's not his preferred position? Or do we want to get him going because we know at some point, you know, the squad depth will definitely help. And if Donny can play that role well, he can become a, a super sub of sorts where maybe we're down, we're struggling to break somebody apart. He comes on the field, opens up space for Bruno. And then we get going. So that's probably what I, if I were to take a guess, that's where, where I would, I would. So that, that would exactly be my argument, right? I would say, let's get Tellez on for Luke Shaw and let's get Van de Beek on for one of Fred or Scott. And then I think the pieces fit, fit better. Uh, so, so basically just, I think the overall point I'm just trying to make is for the people who didn't watch the game. This was not United just coming out and putting in a demolition and being, uh, you know, nine nil superstars. Like yeah. that that performance was more. They were probably more deserving of winning five nil or six nil after that first half. Yeah, I will say that. I will. I'll agree with you on that, and I also agree with you on. I thought VAR made United look much better than they were. Yeah. The the offside goal for Southampton was absolutely shambolic. I have no idea where that decision came from. It was just pathetic because he was onside. You look at the the penalty decision as well on Martial. I didn't think it was a penalty. I thought Martial was. I thought it was going to get called back. Yeah, I mean, when I saw him pulling out a card, I thought he was pulling out a yellow to book Martial for diving. <laughs> <laughs> then he pulls out the red, and I was. I, I really hope they rescind that. I I. 99% sure they're not going to rescind that because if he gave a red card after a VAR review and then they rescind it, it then shows that it's a complete joke. So do you see them rescinding that red card? And you can make the case then that United got three goals because of that. 
So yeah, you're, I, I think you're right. I don't think they will rescind it just to, you know, play the politics of uh, not looking bad. Yeah. So I, th- I think it's pretty easy to give the Beckham boot to VAR. This was just atrocious. It, I mean, VAR and Mike Dean, because Mike Dean, this is one where he's going to the video. He's seeing everything and then he's making the decision. So it's on him just as much. Yeah, I, you know, anytime we can give the Beckham boot to Mike Dean, I'm on board for that. I do not like his style of refereeing <laughs> or his decision-making abilities. So you, you have no uh, disagreements from me on that one. Uh, in terms of the Cantona caller, I mean, you're kind of spoiled for choice with the scoreline such as that one. Who are your uh, candidates or who's who's your Cantona caller? I think if Luke Shaw could have got a full game, he might have ran away with it and... Because he didn't, because he only got the 45 minutes, I would lean towards Aaron Wan-Bissaka. I was really encouraged by everything he showed. That intent, crossing the ball, getting a goal for himself, feeling good about that. And, you know, he also had that one really solid tackle where I hope he didn't hurt himself. Spider-Man at his best. So I think uh, he would probably be my pick. How about you? You know, it's it's uh, just looking at this, it's a far cry from the days we were probably a season ago where our fullbacks could not generate anything. There were no assists coming. There was no crossing coming. And now you're talking about two candidates for the Cantona caller, both Luke Shaw and Aaron Wan-Bissaka. So uh, credit to the coaching staff for just being able to have that identity and crossing ability now. Still much mm-hmm. a work in progress on the right-hand side, so I won't get ahead of ourselves, but... Basically, my my long answer to saying I agree with you that I think Aaron Wan-Bissaka is a good candidate, not only scoring a goal, but the intent and the number of crosses he put into the box today was very impressive. So, yeah, Yeah. Aaron Wan-Bissaka for me as well. I'll quickly say I'm happy David De Gea got a clean sheet because seeing how livid he was with Fred for allowing Che Adams to get that shot off for the goal... um, I think he saw that this was a clear opportunity for him to get a clean sheet against a Southampton team that was up against it with 10 men uh, and nine men at the end. So good for him. You know, he really know. wants his bonus check, man. He hasn't got enough bonus. Hey, and, th- and those things matter, right? Every once in a while, like the same way, you know, in basketball, they say, hey, if the big man's doing all the dirty work, you got to reward him and just give him a touch in the paint every now and then. It, David De Gea as a goalkeeper he's someone that, that you're only going to hear his name if there's a big mistake made anytime he makes the save it's hey this is what we expect those little uh, cookies that you can throw at him with the clean sheets uh, let him rack them up noisy neighbor on that note Che Adams maybe yeah I thought Che Adams uh, had a thankless job today after going down to 10 men he wasn't going to see much of the ball and it was just going to be long balls punted up for him to hold it down and just get his defensive breather from now and then. He made something off it with a couple of runs. It was a nice goal he scored as well. He, he sat Fred on his backside not once but twice. Uh, so, you know, Che Adams is deserving of that award. I saw in the notes that you wanted to highlight Harry Maguire's performance. So while we're you know talking about Che Adams going up against the back line, the performances of... Juan Bissaka and Luke Shaw, why don't we touch on that? 
So one thing I wanted to talk about when it comes to Harry Maguire, and the reason I think this is so important is when you have teams sitting back and not pressing our defense, the defenders get a lot of time on the ball. And it's usually the center backs, whether it's Lindelof or Maguire. And this is where I thought Van Dijk has excelled and changed the way Liverpool play, where he's able to bring the ball up or he's able to spray those long diagonals to to get Salah, Mane, Robertson, Trent on their way. And I think Harry Maguire has that in him. He can drive with the ball forward and he can hold on to it and not lose it. Because that's a very risky move. If he loses the ball in a bad area, teams with good counterattacking abilities can make us pay. I thought Maguire did that really well today where he drove through the center. He forced Southampton to condense, thereby giving more space to the wingbacks. And that's when you had the Luke Shaw's and the Juan Bissaka's with a lot more space. Or even passing it off to a Bruno who could then spray it long. The same thing can happen when Pogba comes back into the team. So this is very, very important. If a team is sitting back, you need your center back to pick and choose his moments to drive through and create space. Because that's how we can increase the tempo and ultimately catch the defense on its heels because they're not fully set up anymore because they weren't expecting a another option coming into play. Carl, any mention of uh, Van Dyke lately is sending my mind into one place. After seeing his comment <laughs> that uh, United went after Lindelof and not him, it's, uh, it's going to take me a long time to recover from that one. Yeah, for, for the listeners that, that don't know uh, what Vivek's talking about, uh, back when we when Manchester United signed Lindelof, we actually had the option. 2017. We had the option of signing Van Dijk or Lindelof. And apparently we chose Lindelof. This is, uh, I think this was also coming from what Charlie Austin was talking about some of this. Yeah, he was in conversation with Charlie Austin. And they were just, you know, casually chatting about Van Dijk moving on to bigger and better things from Southampton. And he let out this bomb that <laughs> it hurts me deep, Carl. It hurts me deep, especially as a Dutchman. Yes, I and also the news that Van Dijk's out for the season for Liverpool, who uh, just while on the topic, just signed two centre-backs in the January transfer window before it closed shut. Uh, United did not make any signings. They only had players going out. For those that don't know, Jesse Lingard is out on loan at West Ham. Hopefully, he can get his game going there and really come back rejuvenated. Solskjaer has made the case that he does not want to sell him. He just wants to get the lad his confidence back. And then some some other moves were just, I think, Tahid Chong went to Club Bruges in Belgium from Wolfsburg in Germany. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, I mean, we all know about Tim, uh, Timothy uh, Fosu-Mensa who uh, moved on to Bayern Leverkusen, uh, permanently sold. And then uh, finally, Marcus Rojo, after his years of service, has moved on to Boca Juniors in Argentina. Wow, that was a fantastic news update, Carl. (laughs) I think everyone's all caught up. Now that we've caught up on the match that was just played against Southampton, we're all caught up on everything that happened at the transfer deadline. I think we can move on to the next fixture United have against Everton. Good memories against Everton. Knocked them out of the League Cup 
had that 3-1 win over them that seemed to be a bit of a spark in terms of United turning around their season. What are you looking for in this match coming up? Well, Everton, honestly, I cannot put my finger on it. They are a nope up-and-down team. Similar to what United were, probably, I would say, a year ago before Bruno came into the picture, United would be great one weekend, and then they would be awful the next weekend. And you're seeing that with Everton, where they they put in a performance where James Rodriguez looked like he was on fire, scored a fantastic goal. They tied 1-1 against Leicester City, which is a great game to watch. They're on the up and up. Next game against Newcastle, fall flat on their faces and lose 2-0 to a team that could not buy a victory. I don't know what Everton we're going to get. If I'm being honest, I'm a little nervous. United are playing at Old Trafford. Call me superstitious if you want, but like I always think that when, when we have the rub of the green against a team and we've beaten them a couple of times, they're bound to get us back on one occasion. I'm just hoping that occasion is not uh, at Old Trafford. <laughs> I, I do think the 9-0 victory do, will, will have some confidence in the team and hopefully we can we can push that forward. We just need to make sure we take care of Everton's main weapons, which is Dominic Calvin-Lewin. And you've also got James Rodriguez. He looks like he's coming into a bit of form. And then obviously... They've got some good crossing ability from Lucas Digne, their left back. And then Richarlson, if he's in the mood, can be quite the uh, handful. So, mm-hmm. you know, they, they've definitely got some weapons. United have to come out of the gate strong. They've got to win. You can't you can't tie. You can't... Uh, none of this nil-nil business against the top six. So, what, what do you think the starting lineup is going to look like, Vivek? Yeah, so... It's interesting because just looking back on the last league match, forget the League Cup, James Rodriguez was missing from that match. Richarlison was also missing from that match. You've got those two factors to consider. I think there's a decent chance Ole Gunnar Solskjaer looks at this as his big match format, which means Fred and Scott are automatic selections. The back four... Luke Shaw is in the form of his life. That's a no-brainer. David De Gea is a no-brainer. Harry Maguire is a no-brainer. Aaron Bissaka will be there. As long as he's not injured, yeah. Yes. Hopefully, whatever issue it was on that slide tackle that he had, it, hopefully he's perfectly fine and recovered. And then it seems like Lindelof has found favor again. I feel like, you know, the best pairing is Harry Maguire and Eric Bailly. Why... Bailly has kind of disappeared out of the picture a little bit is a bit of a mystery to me. Same here. If I were to have my way, I would go with Bailly and Maguire, but it seems like Lindelof has found favor again, so I wouldn't be surprised to see him. And then with the three mids, I assume that Cavani will be leading the line if he's fit up top. So with the three mids, you're looking at Rashford, Bruno, and I really think Greenwood's in a good bit of form. So I think you have to debate him and Pogba. I would assume that Pogba was rested in this match to get a look in against Everton and be fully healthy for that. So I wouldn't be surprised if we did end up seeing Pogba on the right side. All right, I see what you're, you're saying, Vivek. It'll be interesting. We've only seen Pogba play on the right that one time, and that was a bit of a surprise to all of us. 
was expecting that to happen more often. I definitely think Pogba is going to be back into the starting lineup. Mm-hmm. Well, th- so the other time they switched Pogba to the left and Rashford played on the right. Do you think that's a possibility? Yeah, I I do think that Rashford will probably play on the right and Pogba on the left. And I think Martial will play up top. Interesting. I don't think I don't think Cavani will get the start for this one. All right. That makes me sad again. I mean, on the positive side, I mean, that's, I guess, the one thing we didn't talk about and we probably should have. Martial finding some form, getting a couple goals, and then obviously earning the penalty as well. Uh, so hopefully that puts him in good spirits for whatever role he may have against Everton. Did you think that uh, Martial did enough running move for you? I was very encouraged. This was uh, another step in the right direction. I thought there was that one chance as well where Fred played the through ball. And that that was a great run for Martial. That's exactly the type of run I want to see from him. It was unfortunate that he missed with the chip. That would have been a beautiful goal. So it just went wide of the post. But runs like that are very encouraging to me. I think that's the type of run that showcases his talent. The speed... Yeah. The, the touch that he can have on the ball and and then that classy type of finish that you know we've we we became accustomed to last year and for whatever reason it's disappeared this year yeah you know i what really impressed me with marcel today was his touch balls were sticking to him he was strong on the ball and he scored a couple of different goals he scored a nice goal into the roof of the net and then the second one was you know a nice chest down got it under control and then finished it i'm hoping that that definitely instills some confidence in him i was also reminded by one of our listeners that martial was the player's player of the year last season so clearly he did some good things and by no means uh am i or vivek saying that he hasn't it's just that we we live in the present and you know what? You're only as good as your last game. Well, I think the question that I think a lot of United fans should ask, and I think this is a fair question, is is last year the norm of what we should expect? Or are the four years outside of that, the three years before, and what we're seeing this season, the norm? Which one is the aberration? Which one is the norm? And I think that's a fair question to ask. I think that is a great way to end the show, Vivek, and let our listeners ponder and then uh, get ready for the Everton game. <laughs> a reminder, we are on Twitter and Instagram at Red Couch Manx. If you enjoy the show, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Join us after every match as we break it down. Reviews, ratings, we love all of it. Hit us up on social media. On behalf of Carl and myself, thank you for listening to Red Couch Manx.